The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. The way I work is through just love. There's no client I don't end a call with not saying I love you. I love you and the fact that we get to spend time together and that there's an exchange of money is just is just a formality of just so I can run my life. This was the dumb thing. You separate your personal life and your professional life. Why would you want to do that? Because the assumption was when you're dealing with money, you're going to be fighting together. So to, to keep yourself friendships you mustn't have money come in there yeah. whereas actually you know i've turned it around myself saying why would you want to work with your enemies <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's a wonderful chaos solo or tandem we work to find rest and fight to find peace And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. You know, I often, when I see animals, I make the sound that drives Ronnie crazy. So if I see a, if I see a sheep, I do a sheep noise. I see a cow, I do a cow noise. I do the whole thing. You? Today we have Peter Kooning. <laughs> yeah. When do you? I feel like I'm a child with you all the time. You're reining <laughs> me in. Um, yes, we've got Peter Kooning on, and we are going to discuss a lot of things, of which we're going to discuss love in business. Love making in business. No, love in business, Bambos. <laughs> I know where your head's at. We're going to do that and a lot more on A Wonderful, wonderful Chaos. chaos. Uh, love in business. Love in business. This has been a bit of a crazy day. We actually had a show planned for 3 p.m., which both of us forgot about. I was sick. I don't know about you. I, I, well, I, I saw at 3.30, I saw this. You have a show that just went live a th- half an hour ago, and I freaked. So Stephen Rudolph, who was supposed to be our guest, I phoned him. And he's the sweetest individual. He said, Andy, where are you feeling it? I told him that we found Peter and that uh, he said, I still can do the show. And, and he said, what are you feeling? And I said, you know what? Peter has an event coming up in a month. And I know that it's great to get publicity and to get people aware of it. So if he was cool, then we delay the show. And he said, great, let's do it. And, and I really felt this almost serendipity nature. I could hear in his voice, he was happy the change happened because he was welcoming what the universe was bringing us. And he said, this sounds great. So it really felt good. Mm. It's always, I, I love being in connection with people that aren't determined by outcome, but sitting with what's the reality at this moment and then letting it unfold. And that, that was really special. Mm. Nice. So, and I didn't like the title of the show with them. So I said, listen, let's just call tomorrow and we'll what find it. I don't even remember. It was living your true self. What happens when you don't live your true self? It was a bit one of those vague topics that I thought we could do better. 
Um, and so then, we bought Peter Cooney. And second, so we got Peter. because Second I, time round. Second time round. And Peter, I don't know if he's aware of this. I think I might have mentioned it to him because I phoned him last week. His is the most viewed episode of all time on A Wonderful Chaos. Really? It is. It's probably me. I watched it like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> and you watched it. You're dragging the numbers up. Uh, you're like, did I get it? Did I get it right the first time? The first time? But no, no, we did very, very well uh, on that show. People really enjoyed Peter. And and Peter is sort of this secret individual in the world because I I, I called him last week to thank him because I think after years of, of learning from his ways, I started finally figuring out like how he lives. And, um, and I see that in a way I could identify part of what I saw in myself finally in him, like, wow, I want to do great, but not at the cost of losing myself. And that's what I've seen in Peter. So Peter welcomes the energy in. You kind of described yourselves as Forrest Gump. Yeah, exactly. Earlier on the show, I kept laughing because I'm like, he's sort of like Forrest Gump. He just started running in one direction <laughs> and just going. And then he's like, hey, whoever wants to, you know, I I'm not trying to get you to join, but somehow, wow, there's a group behind me. And so in some way, I, I feel like he's just done his thing. And there's people that sort of found their way into his life. And he's like, this is great. And then if they leave, he's like, oh, this is great. So there's never a, never a codependency. And, and not only that, he's so strong about and he lives this word which I've often through the years had different feelings towards but when he presents it to me now I feel very very beautiful he says if one isn't coming from their source and working with me then I don't really want to work with them because what he's saying is you're needing what you can't find in yourself through me which you're, means you're not living your full potential so live your full potential and hopefully we can find a way that that aligns with what I'm doing. And then we're both living our full fullest. Okay. And, uh, and, and I, I often give it different words, but when I heard him say that, we can see if he, if he agrees with my interpretation of it, but I really feel that he's finding people and inviting them to rise up to whatever it is that they really want to be doing then, and then seeing if there's a match as opposed to what mm. people often do is I need someone who can do this and then I'm going to, fit you into a position you really don't like and resent me for because you're not doing something you enjoy, hmm. you know? And then my joke to him was like, did you find the person that loves doing uh, uh, controlling and running the numbers? And he says, of course not. <laughs> so, so well, well, you know, how do you find the people who don't necessarily gravitate to jobs that maybe are as uh, considered as easy to find, but we can talk about that maybe as well. Basically he's saying, this love in business, if we don't figure that out, then we're going to extinction. And I really would say he puts it that strongly. He's not, he's not sugarcoating anything. He's not doing the let's do love in business because it feels good. He's like, if we don't figure this one out, then we're going to live in this vicious cycle of how do we degrade the planet to the point that there's nothing left. And then we're all looking at each other saying, God, how did we get here? As if we didn't already know that. We're already here. We're already here. And yet he's now saying, if I've got a few years left in my life, let's go for it. So that's, a, that's where we are. And uh, I think it'd be great to welcome him on. Creating love and business, the new bottom line. 
Hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. Oh, hi, guys. Thank you so much. I could listen to you all day, both of you. <laughs> first of all, you're a big laugh, and then, <laughs> and then you express things so well. I feel you hardly need me. You, you're doing it all I, I for just me. And, Andy does all the talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. let's, let's agree. I had like a half an hour to print this document out because I yeah. had it on my desktop for a week. And when I opened it, all I read in the first sentence was, the club of Rome and I thought, Oh my God, something with that level of detail. I got to put it down for another time. So now I pick it back up again. And, I, and First of I, all, do yes. let me just say, I, I, I'm really touched by what you said about Stephen. So I just want to say a deep thank you to him. And he feels very much uh, present to me uh, from what you, how, what you just explained. I, I don't want to let this go without thanking him. I also, uh, you know, I, I get emotional and the way he was so present with me through this process, he asked me, Andy, who would you want to have on the show? And, you know, there's a moment in time when you feel so bad that you don't want to say I'd rather have him as if the other would feel rejected. But what, what he held, he held such a beautiful space for me. And he just said, what makes what feels right? He didn't go for the like. Put one, and I just said, wow, it feels right to go with you, given that we said this event's coming. And then he said, yeah, it sounds great. So mm. I, I got very close to him through that interaction, which mm. speaks to the subject of this, of this, of this talk, because I mm. recognized in him the way I, the way I see myself interacting with the world, but I don't see it often reflected back to me. Mm. It's a, it's almost a Buddhist practice. If I had to give it words, it's like, I love you unconditionally and whatever makes sense, makes sense. And I'm not going to attach to an outcome because then I'm going to force it. And maybe it's not the right time. So let's allow it to unfold. And, and I just don't mm -hmm. see that happening often. Um, people don't have that space. Well, you just described the spirit of this whole initiative with my Congress. Yeah. Uh, what we're inviting people into is that very space. So he'd be the first person or the next person I'd want to invite because yeah. he would understand it totally. And I feel this is the energy that, you know, the, the attitude and the energy that's really being called for right now. Yeah. yeah. Help me understand because I've known you for years you know, as you know, as mentioned in the last show that you're mentioned in both books. The second book is basically stealing all of your work and just using it slavishly, the, the wounded healer. Um, and and what I um, what I like love about you is that you often create an alternate reality, which takes time for people to catch up to. We often say a visionary is a person who lives a, a reality ahead of its completion. So you're in this other reality living it. And then somehow the world finds its way to you instead of you trying to accommodate it. So where do you transition from? I'm going to help the world understand that money is a construct that's confusing you and you can figure out a better way if you understood projection and reclamation. And then you move it to business. When did that happen? Oh, that happened. Actually, it almost worked the other way because I came out of business, of course. Okay. I was working for... You know, in the 1970s, I was working for the largest, one of the largest American multinationals looking after their real estate in Europe. Wow. And so I, I, I knew how to handle conventional business very well. I was coming out of that area. But, mm. but after that, I had what some people might call a spiritual epiphany, which, mm. which changed the way I was seeing the way I was doing things, but not just me. I, the way I saw business was doing things. I had a deep level of understanding. And, and that changed 
changed everything um, for me. And then I, 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 it, this phrase, creating love and business, actually came to me in the 90, early 1980s. Um, and I saw I had nothing better to do than that. Mm. Um, so at that time, I actually went back to my business school and to other business people and said, this is, you know, thinking, and this is, this is the difficulty of being a, in advance, <laughs> thinking, well, you know, it's so obvious to me, it will be obvious to everybody. Yeah. And then when I started to speak about, well, just use the word love, it was like, you know, uh, no way. Uh I wrote it in the title today and I'm like, oh my God, I'm really writing the word love and business. I could kind of see all of the ideas of what I thought people project into it. Like, Absolutely. oh my God, another person, uh, you know, selling me something. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, combining love and business and money. Um, but it was obvious to me at some, you know, back in the early 1980s, this has got to come at some point. It's like it, it came earlier with, with what I'm mentioning with the Club of Rome. They were very, very aware of the path that we're on. And I was reading up all of that stuff at that time. And it became, and I saw then the role of money and the relationship to money, which you know so well too, and referring to, um, was like the elephant in the room. It's like everything, every other subject is being dealt with, but that subject is is sort of pushed aside we don't want to look at that and i was aware already then that this bringing it together with love and business was essential to to um to turn around the pattern of behaviors which we've we've all all conditioned by and which we're all still being moved by yeah. and so when I but when I started to express this, um, I you know got enormous pushback. Uh, it's getting less and less and less, but there's still, of course, pushback. But now is the time. It's so obvious, yeah, uh, or obvious to me to really come out with it because it it you know if it's not now, it's probably never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that I, that's the purpose of this congress. You know, I often have because because the way I work is through just love. In the, yeah. in, in the sense, like it, when I talk to a client, there's no client I don't end a call with not saying I love you. Yeah. And and uh, and and it's weird because if you try to explain it to people, then they don't quite get it because they think they're they love you is I love you unconditionally. Even if you say, let's not work. It's not a I say I love you because in saying I love you, I get some leverage over you because now I create an uncomfortable uh, situation if you want to separate. Mm. And and I and, and I see that people don't understand there is a love that's just I love you and the fact we get to be spend time together and that there's an exchange of money is just is just a formality of just so I can run my life. And it's such yeah. a weird and I try to explain it to people and I've seen they just and I, and even when I when I work with people and we have projects where we split money they often want to say this is the percentage you get and this is the percentage I get before we go in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I say, I don't work that way. And it confuses them because they're like, no, then we're going to fight. And I said, why would we fight? <laughs> Actually, if we're fighting and we don't trust each other, then I don't want to work with you anyways. Yeah. So, well, like, this, yeah. yeah. Well, this was, of course, <clears throat> this was when, when I was growing up. I don't know when you were growing up, but this was the dumb thing. You separate your personal life and your professional life. Why would you want to do that? Because the assumption was when you're dealing with money, you're going to be fighting together. Yeah. 
I've heard, I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest belief is that money is the road to bad relationships. Like that's the, like, like that's the, that's the really, that's the elephant in the room. Yeah. So to, to keep yourself, you know, friendships, you mustn't have money come in there. Yeah. Whereas actually, you know, I've turned it around, you know, I've turned it around my saying, why would you want to work with your enemies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're spending most of your time at work. Why would yeah. you want why would you want to have you be working with enemies? Yeah. I was, I, worked, I was working with a client last year that I worked a lot of extra for, and they were in a really bad state. And they said, Andy, I'd like to pay you more for last year. And I said, you're in a bad state right now. I want you to, we'll figure it out next year. You just, you know, I don't, I want you to be present. And then, and then, you know, and she said, no, I'm paying you more. And it was really funny because most people would be like, oh my God, more money. And I'm like, no, I want you in the right state of mind and not reactive. And then that just, it brings us closer. There's gratitude mm. all the time. Yeah. And uh, I know it's so hard for people to get that. Well, because, it, needs, yeah. it needs patience. You know, I, I, as I was yeah. saying, you know, I've been at it for more than 30 years now. And as I said, you know, I had to learn. That's, this was my first learning and it took mm. me quite some time. Gosh, you know, I, I, I can see what would help a person and that, what, what, they, what needs to happen but I can't force it. I can't force anything. Can't push anything. It needs the right timing. Yeah. Um, and and it's a matter of art to get the timing right. I wouldn't even say I'm brilliant at it now, but yeah. I'm certainly a lot better than I used to be. How do you implement this? Because in a way, you're talking about a deep awakening, or am I assuming wrong? Uh, no, you're. You're. What you're talking about is right. And uh, there's a part of me, Bambus, um, and this is the key. The part of me of accepting that I don't know, I don't know how to do it. You know, with this, this is the biggest project I've ever run in my tried to run in my life, and actually, I'm way over my head. I have an experience of being over my head, which has helped me. <laughs> I've always jumped in the deep end. From you know, in all my business experience, I've put myself in the deep end into things that I don't know how to do, and somehow I'm still alive, and I've managed to find out how to do them. Yeah. There was some a few things you said that uh, that I wanted also to touch on. When Bambas asked you the question, "What does it look like?" It reminded me of a moment when I had when I was not not trusting in the political um, the the political system in the U.S. And I know I saw a trap that I would often or I would I didn't fall into it, but I saw a potential trap. And it was the following: someone said, "Well, what do you suggest then? What would be better?" So, you know, I, I said, I just see this two, two party system. It's like you got democracy, there's freedom, you can choose between two things. And I'm like, that never felt good to me. And then they're like, okay, then what do you suggest? And then I'd be like, and the humor was, was that I knew if I started to suggest things, then there would be an argument around which one was best. And I have to fight again, which is exactly the mentality I wanted to leave behind. There, there was no dialogue, it was a competing of ideas. Right. And, and, and I think, Part of what I hear in, in, in the, call it the mind shift, is that if we look at competing of ideas, which has brought us to where we are right now, it's just reliving the paradigm, but with a competing idea. Oh, Andy, you speak right to the heart of where we are. If you look at the, our logo, Money and Business Partnership Congress, the most important part of the logo, and it took me quite a while to explain this to my team, the most important part is the and. The and, it, and this is exactly what you're saying. In other words, 
up to now, all the political systems and all the systems we have are either or, either yeah. or, either or. So I can tell you the ground rule, we have ground rules in these different rooms, in these different places. The ground rule for our, for our program of streaming for the various speakers we'll have, mm-hmm. and you will like this, is that, that we're doing it like so-called improv. The ground rule for them is that they, they must listen to the previous speaker and they have to build on what this previous speaker has. We have a theme for them anyway, um, which will run right the way through, like a thread through the four yeah. days. But but the 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 essence is that we're not going to we're not we're moving away from debates mm-hmm. into yeah. building and building and building, and we're inviting each participant to build their own thread of love in business during these four days with their own timetable um, and their own program, take responsibility for their life during yeah. the four days. The central theme is creating love in business. So how do you want to create love in your work life? Yeah. How do you want to do, you know, how do you figure out to do more of what you love in your life? Yeah, I guess that, that, that- that paradigm, which I understood as a kid, and I, as an adult, you get more nuances. It's always been so difficult for me to, uh, to explain to somebody that once I engage you in the right and wrong battle, I lose because it's exactly counter to the paradigm I'm asking you to, to join me in. Like It's like, don't you understand that there's an implicit assumption you're making that this is how discussions should happen as opposed to what yeah. makes that we've talked mm-hmm. this way all this long, right? And and the, w- w- the framers of the U.S. Constitution, of course, had the idea because they, they started 50 states or whatever that didn't trust each other. And now all of a sudden we said, oh, how do we build a system which just is based on distrust? Well, we have this political discourse, which obviously has evolved into identif- uh, uh, you know, political identification, which is just nonsensical because now there's no dialogue, right? That, that, that's how far we've yeah. come. Yeah, that's how far we've come, and and I like to see it this way. And it, some people find it controversial, but I like to see it. You know, this is where we are at this moment in time in our evolution. Hmm. It just, if we take a snapshot, it's where we are with our consciousness yeah. collectively. And and my feeling is that to move beyond this we need to really recognize where we are and be grateful for where we are, including where we've come from and our, yeah. our forefathers come from and see that, you know, even these, this, this talk we're having together couldn't happen without the present system yeah. um, with all of its warts. And we really need to, to use that as a springboard and say thank you for everything that's here right now, even if it's not liked by many people, because that's the starting point. And we need, you know, we need that as a springboard yes. to be able to spring into a new system. And this is this is uh, this is the starting point for me that we, you know, if we continue with this system as it is right now, it's very clear Club of Rome stuff. We're heading towards really disaster, a lot of suffering, let's put, put it yeah. that way. But we, it's the system that we've got up to this stage of evolution, and now we need to use it as a, like a springboard to be able to jump to the next system. Yeah. And what and you're saying is… system we're heading towards now. I, I, and, and I couldn't agree with you more because, as we all both know, when we talk about like polarity… 
and and the pendulum once you say that this is bad that the, what brought us here was bad all of a sudden you have to have a revolution to get it out and then it just flips back and forth so That's in right. saying this is great for what it did to this point and now it's time to move on then at least we have yeah. a chance of it not flipping back and forth, right? That's yeah. the uh... so so that's what we're trying to we're we're representing with this Congress the new, yeah, with many different new elements simultaneously. Because what yeah. I figured out is you can't just work on one or two sustainable development goals, yeah, and do well with them and expect the whole system to shift with that, because you'll be pulled back by everything else. So yeah. you have to change many things simultaneously. And that's the old, you mentioned altered state, that's the kind of altered state that we are offering to those people who will join us who are ready for this. Yeah. And, and so we're actually, oh, I mean, my, I and my colleagues, are, you, you know, we're actually working in this new state already. And I think you are probably too. Yeah. Um, so, but, but we're kind of between two worlds a lot of yeah, the time. I know. And it feels I, very uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I find that the world, strangely enough, I've found more resonance in Asia living this way than in Western culture because uh-huh. there is a degree to which I think people see you. They feel your energy. They know what you're about and they trust that yeah. m- when, they, when, it, when they really feel it's, it comes from a, some integrity. It, it reminds me, I was working in a German um, company where uh, they're uh, – IT, I worked for them for several years, and the HR guy was always uh, very, like, very money oriented, very, very like uncomfortable around the subject of money. And then I like at one dinner table I, discussion. I said, "We gotta like have a, a discussion. We've known each other for years." And I said, "I love you. Do you understand that I love you?" Like, like, and then he like shifted away. And I'm like, no, you know, I love you. You know, and whatever it is, it is. It's okay. Like he could, like it was exactly that paradigm of we cannot be present and be on and loving. And even if we didn't work together, that's not the point. The point is we've been through so much that we can be here together and just share that appreciation. And and then he had to shut it down. He just Mm -hmm. had to. And then, of course, a week later, I was working with the same organization. I call up the Asians and I said, listen, I'm going to be in the area Whatever you figure out, let's just do it. And then we're like kids in a candy store. Like Andy, you two days. I'm like, like how much? Do, how much do you want? I said, I don't care. Tell me what you can afford so that we can spend time together. So it was like this. And then I went. It was one of the nicest times in my life. We. It was like I worked and had joy and had friendship. We talk regularly. And if we find another chance to work, great. And if if they can pay, great. If they have like, you know, just enough to get me there, then, hey, that's what it is right now. That That's yeah. the energy that I miss so much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you're speaking my language, of course. I mean, this is where we, this is what we want to be, what needs to go out more. Yeah. 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 Um, Bambos asked you a question, what does it look like? Right, which is a kind of a more direct question that I'd want you. If you close your eyes, share with me if you can, what is the feeling you'd have if you walk into the organization that you see the future would look like? You don't need to tell me it is this or that, but like give me a sense of what I you're can. feeling. Family. Family. 
but I mean family in a good way, of course, not yeah, the chosen, <laughs> not chosen family. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say every business is like a family, Peter. Yeah. There's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, you're saying. Yeah, you know, let, let me share something else. But about slow down, it. slow down a second, because oh, that's yeah. really what you just said was so profound. I don't want to jump over it too okay. quickly. You're telling me, and and I can. You go in to that office and you feel like you're coming home to family. Mm. Yeah. You realize how beautiful that is if you if you just like see and, and embrace what that really is. What you're really what you're really striving for is that wow, you get to make whatever you do the place that you feel most at home. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Yeah. How do you define family, Peter? Um. I I see it. It's really that's a great question, Bambus. I, I really feel it not in a clan, narrow clan way. It's an, more like an extended community. Where as as Andy, as you're saying, one is one is at home and one feels totally um like protected, safe, secure, mm. creative, and and feeling that the people around me are actually all we're doing this with each other we're supporting each other in mm. in all of that yeah yeah as you speak i feel connected because that's where i feel like i that that's the only thing i want to invite in my life and work at nowadays yeah and i know exactly the places where that's felt and i know the places where it's less felt yeah 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 well, let me, if I may, let me share something with you. I mean, a little yeah. bit more information on the Congress, but it's beyond mm. that. Um, the the home base for this Congress is a place in Austria called Alpbach. It's a little mm. village in the mountains, mm. um, which was where I sourced this series, mm. and and it it is sourced there because it's the from the 1900s. It's the center of thought, thinking um, of many of the scientists, artists, um, economists like von Hayek, Schrodinger with his cat. cat and, yeah. Yeah, and, and also Francesco Varela created Mind and Life there. And when I went there, I felt this, this incredible connection to these thinkers and this energy. And so I saw, and it wasn't the reason I sourced it there, but I sourced the series there. And it's been like home and it still is home. And mm. I'm referring to it now because, um, you know, it, it's completely locked down at the moment. They've got the South African virus. All, yeah. Everything is closed. But it's so important to me that I'm bringing my team there. What, whatever happens, me and my team are going to be there as family. We're going to stream the Congress out from there. Whatever happens, we're going to be there. Mm -hmm. So at least 10, 20 of us are going to be in Alpbach on the 11th of April to the 14th of April to be there as family to do what we need to do to get the Congress uh, going. In. And, if, and we will be streaming out live from there. They've got a wonderful little Congress uh, center there. That's and that's where we were plan. I was planning to bring 50 uh, financial experts, money experts originally, and that mm -hmm. can't happen now, but it will in the future. I want the, I want the key guys who are working in the woodwork somewhere with new currencies, new coins, new stuff, 
not those that are reactive to the system, because there are many of those around, but who are beyond aversion to the system and addiction to the system, but have already working on the new system. This is the vision to bring them together to Altbach um, to to create the new money uh, that we will have with the new system. So this is this is still very much in here. I just would, I'd love to go to some of the comments coming in. <laughs> Bola Long, who is in South Africa as we speak, says, we don't own any viruses here in South I Africa. <laughs> I love that. That's a beautiful one, Bola Long. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you totally, Bola Long. It's just... You know, these are arbitrary descriptions. I know. <laughs> we know. Please. I just had to get that in because it was just we too funny. Said the British. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And uh, we have uh, Volong also ask if you're familiar with a Jack Fresco. No. Okay. No. Apparently, that's somebody who has, I guess, similar ideas coming out. We actually had a very interesting person that came through Bolalong that was named Colin Turner, who actually does some work where he says he had he calls a gratitude space where he basically mm-hmm. asks people to pay in gratitude online, where they nominate a person and then they yep. through they give gratitude coins and it just it's the it's the currency of gratitude, which is yep. really quite sweet. So. Um, Bolalong is often inviting us to bring in people who are looking at alternative economies and things. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're doing with this too. Yeah. Um, and there are quite a, new, quite a number of people who've come up with the same idea of gratitude coins right now. Oh, yeah. it's, it's interesting how these ideas actually spawn in different places at the same mm. time. Yes, I, yes, as, yes. as you probably know, I'm not sure if you do. I think I mentioned it last time. I also have a new coin in the process where mm-hmm. we have a small pilot where I live in Switzerland. Um, uh, it's, it's, but it's going to be a few years before this, this gets out. because yeah. it's, uh, I, I was just about to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Peter, the word love is still kind of vibrating in me. Mm. And also as a, as a feeling in business, and we talked about family, but you can have love and also not be in a good place sustainably. So how, how do you, how do you balance that out? You know, when you're in this energy of love, there's nothing missing and you're Mm. attracting resources. I, I, I use as an example here, um, um, good friends of mine are some of the first, are the first biological wine growers in Switzerland. And if you're ever in Switzerland, I'll invite you to come and visit them. And it's incredible. They have this energy of love. They produce incredible, not just wine, herbs. Uh, you, you feel you're coming into, into paradise, actually. Yeah. And what this does with and without money, they wouldn't need any money. They've just be, People come and give them things all the time. Yeah. And the, they have volunteers coming in just to be in their fields because the energy there is so great that people want to come and pick grapes and do all sorts of stuff. They'll do any, people will do anything. They clean the toilets, they do anything there because the energy is so great. And, and this is really the vision. So it, it, it's, this is sustainability. Sustainability actually um, is, comes from the passion of doing what you love. And when I wrote my book, 30 Lies About Money, you won't believe this, but my best example at the time, 
of sustainability without making money was Amazon. <laughs> In 2001, Amazon had not yet turned a profit. And people were saying, will they survive? Would you believe it? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> they were saying, will, you, will they survive? You know, we're not sure. They've no, they're not capable of making a profit. And I said in my book, it's, it's absolutely not dependent on, on making a profit. Um, it's dependent on the passion and the energy uh, which, is, which is going behind it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, they haven't proved it through now being the richest company in the world, but they have sustained. So, that, you know, and sust yeah. they're sustaining pretty well. Yeah. So, so we can't say that right now they are living the love and business. Probably this is the challenge, you see. This is the challenge that when you get money coming in in this way, if you are not doing your projection work, the thing turns into its opposite. Yeah. And this is the challenge for, for everybody. You don't have to be Jeff Bezos. It's the challenge for each one of us, actually, whether we're making money or lots of money or whether we're in debt. This is the, it's the same challenge at, at all levels. Yeah. And this is why I position this work of money, uh, this taboo that we have of being so central to, to our collective future now as well. I have an interesting comment from Bolalong again says, the word love in English is a bit confusing because it means so many things to different people. Interesting. Yeah. But it's like every word. Money means a lot of different things to different people You're as right. well. <laughs> but I mean, when we talk about love in this yeah. context, I mean, what I feel yeah. like we're referring to is a deep sense of being where I feel seen because uh, when you said family, I think that equated back to love for me because it was almost like you you moved it back to an experience. Forgetting about the word, let's just talk about the experience. Is that the experiences I'm I'm seen and I'm seen and I feel at peace with what's going on and I feel safe because there's a weird idea that we feel incredibly not weird. It's just obvious that. In that environment where we feel safe, we can explore and we can be our fullest potential. And I think, as I've seen throughout, uh, the, especially the last years, fear, uncertainty, doubt, like in the media especially, is so penetrating everyone's psyche that everyone is living in this constant state of adrenaline, uh, just anxiety, because oh, how am I going to survive this? Yep. So, so well, one of the things that must be understood and which I came to when I was looking at the subject of money and the money system, one has to understand that the money system was actually constructed consciously on fear. Hmm. And that's what we've got ingrained into our, into our conditioning. And actually it did, you know, I, I'm not ungrateful. You know, I've mentioned gratitude before. I'm not ungrateful for that because that impelled our whole industrial system with the materials that we're all using now and the technology we're all using, it was built on that construction. Yeah. But, you know, the, the point is now, if we don't get off this conditioning, we, we actually uh, sabotage the whole system that we've created, which is yeah. what we're seeing happening. And that's why it's necessary to, to rise in consciousness and actually move off the system and move it out of fear and then 
and now it's, yeah. it's in my view it's to love um to 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 take the next step and do it do it you know even with a certain uh, intelligence let's call it with the intelligence that the previous the previous system was was constructed with great intelligence as well we just need to match the intelligence to the times right now and it's not intelligent to be using the same system anymore mm. not wise for sure yeah <laughs> like there's there's two things like well actually one thing i i felt really emotional just a moment ago because um when i hear andy speak about the last couple of years fear is entering everyone's psyche yeah. um i i always say it's very easy to speak from that space when your life is kind of grounded mm -hmm. and you have everything together so then the question is have you ever been in your life in a place where you're in complete survival mode and and then from there how how did you step out of that well you know i understand your question very well and very deeply and maybe i am um privileged in the sense in many ways that at least in my life up to now i've never been in a situation which i would call deep crisis mm. in the sense that i've experienced with many people i've worked with i've had you know the most dramatic situations i've helped people in their most dramatic situations as well all sorts of incredibly dramatic stories and i haven't had that experience myself but i think i think in a sense i've been privileged and lucky in the sense that i've been curious enough to put myself as i say in the deep end before things have happened to me in that way in other words i've been i i you know i didn't need to have a deep crisis to have a to have a a, a fantastic transformational learning um yeah. it the transformational learning for me has happened in many situations without deep crisis but it's been like i think it is somehow linked to my willingness like now to put myself into a situation where i really don't don't have a clue go in the go in and dive into the deep end and who knows i may have yeah. a deep crisis tomorrow who knows you know life you can't tell mm -hmm. but um i i do i do have a deep appreciation for people you know i do understand this difficulty of you know people or the situations in deep crisis now on a surface level you could say i did have a kind of crisis i was down to seven swiss francs one time i think i may have mentioned that in my last meeting so for many people that would be a deep deep crisis point and for me that was a sort of crisis but because of because i of the way i have been i found a solution to that hmm. and it was a solution within and it was a very important moment for me uh to search within and discovered that i existed with seven uh, with seven swiss francs and i wasn't about to die <laughs> yeah you know there's two points there which are quite fascinating and and you've said a lot in a very short time yeah. um what i see is uh i can identify with what you said is that the crisis doesn't need to come to you when i left everything in vienna sold everything and lived in the attic space um one might think wow 
that's a crisis. How did you, yeah. you know, like, like you live like a bum for a year, right? Like, what is that? And, yeah. and, 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 and I'm like, wow, I'm free as a bird. I kept just singing freedom's another word for nothing left to lose. Right. And, and, and it, fascinating is that, um, you're right. You can let the crisis come to you or you can create a situation which shows you how adept you are at adversity. Cause that's at the end, what you are, you learn how to be adept in adversity. Yeah. Like, wow. I remembered when, um, when, when, um, uh, the Madoff scam, my dad invested in Madoff oh. and, and he put all of our money in, including my money. And, you know, I just was there. I didn't think about, and then the money was gone in a day. And, uh, and Ronnie was like, like, frustrated and aggravated and then and then i just sat and i said baby and, I, and she was just i said i'm so grateful that illusion that that money existed gave me freedom that i would have never have taken if i didn't think i could fall back on that if everything failed so it was this, it was this it, we went from her mindset is like the oh my god we lost all of it and my mindset is wow i just got i got 20 some odd years of delusion that just allowed me to do what i did freely right and it was just a very funny shift you know i slept like a baby that night and she was aggravated that you know we didn't get it out <laughs> he made off with all the money exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. just it was uh it was, but I mean, that's a good example of, yeah. in some ways, if you've made peace with it before yeah. it happens, then it happens. And it's just, an, if you haven't, it kind of goes back to where we started this conversation. You're back in that Buddhist world. Am I attaching to something so much so that my happiness is dependent on it? Because <laughs> as soon as that happens, you're only, happen you're only happy if the context is right. Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not lasting anyway. No. There was one thing I wanted to share with you, which I've loved that you told me several years ago. I might have even mentioned it on the last show is when you said that during the Industrial Revolution, the word compensation was created because basically you were compensating for the destruction you did to your own body. So you're paid mm -hmm. for the destruction that you've done. You're compensated for for that. That idea, I realized that in the industrial revolution, when people were in factories, that was factually the case. You were destroying yeah. your body. Yeah. Um, but I, I laugh as a mentality because even today, people have a lot of ideas that if I'm not destroying my body, exhausted, tired, if I'm not like, I'm only deserving of the money. If not, if I'm doing what's in my flow, I'm not deserving of the money because it wasn't hard. But if it's a struggle, then, oh, then I need to get paid. That's right. And, yeah. and the unions, the union demands are based on that, actually. So it's very strongly in the collective field as well. Yeah. Um, so, and that something. you know, so this is, this, you know, with this, where we're heading or where we're trying to head with this is, is completely reversing that. In other words, um, almost to the point that if you're not loving what you're doing, if you're not, you shouldn't get paid, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, very well so stated. The, the other extreme. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, but then they would say in the old paradigm, since I'm loving what I'm doing, I shouldn't get paid that much. That's what right. many people say. Yeah. Many people are, you know, it's very sad. I find it very sad when people say that. It, but it is what people say. Oh, you know, I'm enjoying myself so much doing this. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't need any money and I shouldn't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same it's the other side of the same coin, actually. Yeah. 
Bola Long writes, a crisis is only how one perceives the situation. So mm -hmm. Bola Long way, is great. Isn't he? He's our, <laughs> yeah. he's, uh, he's our, he's our, uh, our third person on the sofa that is yeah. only virtually. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, with that, I think we'll just, we'll leave you. Sometimes we do summaries at the end of the show, but I just think it's great just to be, because you're kind of part of the family. So we can just summarize saying we love you. Uh, yep. You know me, I'm so grateful for everything you've done. And I think I'm only starting to catch up with how how lazy I actually am and how much I love that I'm lazy. And that's just, <laughs> okay. and as I, as you helped me learn to say, and it's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Andy. I love you both. And it's been really a, a great pleasure to be spend this hour with you. Couldn't think of anything better to be doing. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.